0: This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Ingress. New South Wales TAB Punters, here is your chance to share in $1.3 million in prize money when the Kosciuszko is run at Royal Randwick on October the 17th. You could share in the ownership of one of the 14 runners in the world's richest race for country trained horses. You're in the running if you purchase a $5 ticket via the TAB app or at your local TAB outlet or enter as many times as you like by purchasing multiple tickets. Ticket sales close on September the 7th and 14 winners will be drawn on September the 9th. If your name or the name of your syndicate is drawn, you'll then have the opportunity to select a horse to race in your entry. Then your negotiating skills will be put to the test as you endeavour to reach agreement with the owners regarding a prize money split. Bell Flyer won it in 2018, Handle the Truth won it last year. You could share in the ownership of the 2020 Cosyosco winner when the big race is run at Randwick on October the 17th. Tickets are available right now via your Tab app or at your local TAB outlet. I'd like to add my congratulations to those already extended to Randwick trainer John Thompson on a very successful 2019-2020 season. With a team of 40 in work for most of the season, the stable produced 59 New South Wales winners with another four on interstate tracks, 36 of them in town and that put John in seventh place on the Sydney Metropolitan Trainers Premiership with a win-strike rate of 18%. He saddled up eight stakes winners, including a well-deserved Group 1 with the old stable warrior Dreamforce in the George Ryder stakes. The third-generation trainer has done a magnificent job to rebuild his career after being an innocent victim of the well-documented Paternack collapse in 2014. As 1,600 Paternack horses went under the hammer at two fire sales, John Thompson set about picking up the pieces and starting all over again. Obviously, his progress was slow in the initial stages and it was a case of doing the best he could with limited opportunities. But a conservative flow of winners gradually brought him under notice as a public horse trainer. And today, he couldn't possibly be busier He's found time, however, to join us on the podcast. Great to catch up, John. Thanks, John. You'd be battling to find a person in Sydney racing who doesn't acknowledge the great season you've just had in one of the toughest racing towns in the world. You must be tickled pink.
1: Yeah, very proud of uh, my team, John. Uh, They've done a good job with, um, you you know, a smaller band of horses and, Uh, We've been consistent all year, which is what we look for.
0: When Patanak wound down, did you for one moment contemplate buying a fish and chip shop and getting the hell out of racing?
1: (laughs) No, I think I've been addicted uh, for a long time now and, uh, you know, it was worrying times, I've got to say. Uh, You know, I got uh, those first um, sort of six to 12 months we done it pretty tough, but uh, no, I give got to give credit to my family, uh, who gave me great support in those tough times, and uh, we we built from there.
0: Let's just review your season: the jewel in the crown, the Group One George Ryder Stakes, with that marvelous old warhorse Dream Force, who led all the way for Nashra Willa.
1: Yes, look, he's a he's been a marvel of an old horse uh, for us for a couple of seasons now. Very consistent. Uh, he struck up a bit of a relationship with Nash for Willer, mm. uh, and if you watch the replay of that race, uh, you know Nash um, he took the race by the scruff of the neck and and um, you know uh, you know probably outrode the rest.
0: Mm. Well, apart from the the well-deserved Group One. Dreamforce has also won a Group 2, he's won a couple of Group 3s and a listed race, and he's run second, John, in two other Group 1s, the Optic White and the Doncaster, won by Brutal, and you were giving Brutal four kilos that day.
1: Yes. Uh, I thought we had him at the top of the straight. They turned for home together, mm. and uh, our, our horse put a couple of lengths on uh, Brutal, but... Um, Yeah, he he wore us down and and, uh, went past us. But uh, it was was an exciting race, that's for sure.
0: Well, the old horse has just turned eight and he's beginning yet another preparation. How was his attitude this time in and what are his soundness levels after so much racing?
1: I think that's what has got him this far. He's been a very sound horse Mm. um, and he's been looked after his whole career. He hasn't had many runs each preparation. Mm. uh only four or five and uh, he's had good spells and i think that's uh played a big part in his longevity
0: what are the plans
1: uh he runs first up in the winks um uh, here saturday mm. and uh but it'll be a hot race but he's uh, ready to go he's had a couple of trials and mm. um you know i think he seems to be going as well as ever
0: now five years younger than dreamforce is mama reagan who must have got you pretty excited back in the autumn when he burst onto the scene with a brilliant first-up win in the Skyline Stakes. Nash Rawilla was just telling me, John, that you knew how good he was because you made a point of getting Nash to trial him.
1: I did. Uh, you know, was, uh, to be honest, he's um, by Wangina, which is probably not a fashionable stallion. Mm. And uh yeah, the last little bit of the horse I was struggling to get him sold. Mm. And uh I come up, I knew he went well. So I come up with a a plan to get Nash to come and give him a jump out mm. and uh a video of his comments afterwards. And uh, you know, I'd done that. He won the jump out quite easily and I I filmed Nash afterwards and obviously gave the horse a big rap and mm. um you know, we, we went from there.
0: You must have had Mixed feelings going into the golden slipper second up. It's a big ask, isn't it? But he was such a natural two-year-old, and you only get one crack at the slipper.
1: That's right. Uh, I just felt, um, you know, I I knew he was an immature horse at the time. Uh, If I ran him again, he he would have had to back up in seven days, and I just didn't think the horse was ready for that Um, sort of three runs in, in, in three weeks, so... I thought uh, you know we'll just go in it and and see have a roll of the dice and see how he goes and um, you know he performed very well for mm. a, for a, the horse that he is.
0: Barrier one is obviously better than barrier fourteen anywhere any time, but it did put you in the worst part of the track on the day, up the straight in particular.
1: That's correct. You needed to be sort of out out wide um, on the day, and you were sort of you know stuck in on the fence, but. Managed to, you know, come out somewhat in the straight, but uh, it was just a credit to the horse to to run so well in such a high-pressure race, his second start in the race.
0: His next assignment was the Sires Produce Stakes, in which he finished a very good third to King's Legacy and Prague. Now, while King's Legacy was getting all the brakes coming around the home turn, your bloke was shunted wide and balked a little bit, I thought, by a horse on his inside. And he just seemed to get a bit lost after that, didn't he, John, for a few strides?
1: He did. He just lost momentum. And, uh, yeah, you know, them sort of races, momentum's everything. And uh, it's the difference between winning and losing. The horse ran super. Mm. But uh, I dare say he should have finished a lot closer to the winner.
0: San Domenico stakes?
1: Yes, that's his first up assignment uh, after trialling well the other day behind Farnham. Um there's still plenty of upside now horse. He's not completely wound up. Uh, his first main goal is the Golden Rose, but he'll kick off in the San Domenico uh, mm. in a couple of weeks' time.
0: Now, John, word is out that you've actually had one or two little nibbles about his availability for an Everest slot. Any truth in that?
1: Uh, there is, yeah. A couple have uh, mentioned, you know, he's he's on their radar. Obviously he would have to perform well in those uh, first couple of runs. But, uh, you know, I, I think uh, any, any horse that runs well in the those leadings and and in the Golden Rose will, will get uh, you know, a call-up for the Everest.
0: Mm. And the win by yes, yes, yes last year will open the door for three-year-olds in the Everest from here on in.
1: That's right, yeah. I, I think that's why uh, everyone will be looking at you know, those races. And I think uh, by the look of things, this year's batch of three-year-old Colts is a Mm. a bit of a a vintage year.
0: Primitivo got amongst the big prize money early in the year when he won the Magic Millions trophy over 2,400 metres with Glenn Boss in the saddle. You'd been stretching him out in distance, hadn't you, Primitivo? Yes, uh,
1: I've got to say... Um, a bit of rap to the horse there because he, he ran in, in a mile race the start before and jumped to the 2400 on a wet track. So uh, I, I think it was, you know, a big win um, to be able to do that and obviously a, a brilliant ride by, by Glenn. Mm. Uh, he's, he's he's just a, a big race rider that, uh, you know, brings it on those big days.
0: You've done a wonderful job with a lovely mare call for twos during the season She's won five races all up for 256000 for Prime Thoroughbreds, including a stakes race, the Denise's Joy, which was run at Rose Hill this year. Uh, she's a really nice mare, John.
1: She's a lovely horse. Uh, you know, she's just a, a, one of them horses that uh, reminds you what such a, a beautiful animal the Thoroughbred is. She's mm. a, only a little horse, but she's kind and uh, any time you walk past a yard, she just comes straight over to you and puts her head in your chest, and mm. uh, she's a real little cutie. But, um, you know, when you get her out in a, on, in a race, um, she's all business and uh, very straightforward, and one of them horses that gives you 150%, and yeah. uh, I think that'll take her a long way.
0: Rachel King rides her uh, more than any other jockey, and they click
1: I don't think I could get her off with of a crowbar. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. uh, as I said, she's a horse you could e- you can easily fall in love with. And, yeah, uh, you know Rachel loves riding her, and uh, they're a great pair.
0: You'd love a stable full of cubas. Seven wins, nine placings, three hundred ninety-four thousand dollars. He snared a stakes race a couple of months ago, the National Sprint at Canberra, with Tim Clark on board.
1: He's, he's a lovely animal. Uh, I've got to say, I wasn't a fan early in his career as a colt. I thought uh, mm. he was uh, not giving us all that he got. And, uh, you know, he's, since he's been gelded, uh, he's become, you know, a, a consistent galloper and a horse he can count on now. Mm. And uh, I dare say he's, he's got more wins in store.
0: You received an unexpected windfall a week or so back when you were awarded the Wagga Cup Quinella when the original winner House of Cartier was disqualified after returning a positive swab. This happened three months after the event. You got a belated Quinella with Morris and Master of Arts. Yes,
1: a bit of a surprise. We we probably knew uh, a fair while uh, before it became public, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously with the current situation with COVID, you know, things are, are, are being slowed up a bit. Uh, you know, getting to the bottom of it, but mm. uh, it was a p- pleasant uh, surprise because the two horses that we ran in that the older horses, um, Morris and uh, Master of Arts, that that was their planned last start before retirement, mm. and uh, for them to, to end up going one-two in the race was a you know great for Waratah, who puts a lot into racing.
0: Mm. Another great stalwart for the stable is Thy Kingdom Come. Five wins, nine placings, three hundred and forty one thousand dollars. Half a dozen horses like Cuba and My Kingdom come, you wouldn't have a worry in the world.
1: No, he's uh he's a bit of a favourite too. We we bought him off um the Patnak farm for a hundred thousand and mm. um you know, we had the mother uh, at Patnak and um you know, it was just uh Uh, We knew the family, and uh, Mm. he's been able to be consistent over a few years now and well and truly paid back uh, more than what uh, we outlaid.
0: You were in your mid-teens when your grandfather, Vic Thompson Senior, passed away. He was a very astute small team trainer at Rose Hill who really knew how to get one ready. What do you remember of him, John?
1: Um. He was a hard man. Um, you know, he, he, he taught us, my brothers and I, from a young age, uh, how to work, that's for sure. Mm. Uh, you know, there was no sitting around. It was, <laughs> uh, in those days, the stables were in the backyard and, mm. uh, you know, we're always on the end of the broom or, or mixing feeds or, or doing something. But it installed us, that into us at a young age. And it's I think it's um, it's done us very well throughout
0: our life. Mm. Well, your dad took over those Rose Hill stables on his father's passing and then later Jack and Bob Ingham went very upmarket when they constructed at huge cost the lavish Crown Lodge complex at Warwick Farm. And uh, today, of course, that's the place that houses the Godolphin team. Your dad was appointed head trainer. You left school and went to work for dad.
1: I did. Uh, It was exciting times, you know, it was, um, you know, uh, at a time where the the stable was being built and and growing and, um, you know, there was uh, some great people, you know, working there like Peter Snowden Um, and, uh, yeah, a a lot of the staff that worked with us back in those days are, are still there to this day. And uh it was it was just yeah, a great times. The dad uh was obviously a good friend of Jackingham, trained for him for mm. a long time and um, you know, had a had a small team at Rose Hill and had a had a great strike rate for him and mm. um, you know, when they went to the to the bigger stable had good success with a lot of homebred. But um I think in the end the the big numbers probably didn't suit Dad. Mm. Uh, as much but um, as, a, as a smaller team but uh, and also you know, the Ingham's, they wanted to get bigger and go in the state. Mm. So, um, you know, this just, just didn't work out in the end but uh, mm. it was a good experience all the time.
0: Mm. Well, Dad decided to train a small team after that at Warwick Farm with young John Thompson as his right-hand man. I think you were in that job for six years
1: yes uh you know it was it was a, a great time for me because it was you know I was a foreman and um I had uh, my first experience with a group one winner uh, examination mm. in the metropolitan
0: Jay Cassidy and, uh,
1: Jimmy Cassidy yeah and I, mm. I'd done everything with that horse you had know, him uh strapped him the lot so mm. uh, it was a it was a special moment yeah
0: <laughs> now he was owned by a man with a European surname I, I can't bring it to mind.
1: You know, I, uh, I can't even say it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, a, a, a difficult, difficult one to pronounce. Something like that, yeah. And I think his daughter one. accepted the trophy on his behalf that
1: day. Yes, uh, Kay. Kay. Um, she. Uh, Kay was married to a trainer at Warwick Farm, Jeff Mains. Mm. And um, yeah, look, he was, he was a lovely horse, and um, you know, he's uh, he, he, he he was a very good stayer.
0: By Zamazan.
1: Yes, you know, a long list of uh, good stays by that that stallion.
0: Hmm. Well, by this time you were feeling the need to spread your wings and work for other stables and you landed a job with Bill Mitchell who was flying at the time and he had some lovely horses in the stable when you arrived there. General Nadim, Kenwood Melody, Dignity Dancer who was a smashing three-year-old. He won five straight at one stage, the Spring Champion, uh, then the Autumn Stakes at Caulfield, the Alistair Clark, the Amy Classic and the Australian Guineas. Jim Cassidy rode him in most of those. I think you took him to Melbourne and looked after him all the way through.
1: He was a lovely horse. To this day, probably, uh, you know, one of the best horses I've ever had anything to do. He was a big unit and mm. uh, at one stage there he held the, the 2000 meter record at Ramwick and the 2000 meter record at Flemington for an, over 10 years. Mm. So, uh, and that was done as a three-year-old. So, you know, he was uh, he was a super horse, and um, yeah, it was uh, a pleasure to work with him. And Bill, he was a great boss, and we had uh, great success with a with a, a lot of good horses. Another horse that was there at the time was a mare called Snippet Slass, mm. um, who who is the mother of Snitzel. Goodness so, me. Uh, yeah, uh, it, was, it was good times.
0: You were on friendly terms in those years with Matthew Smith, who'd been a long-time foreman for Bart Cummings. Now, Matthew was about to launch his own training career and it was he who suggested you should apply for the job. You did, you got it, and you were with the maestro for eight years.
1: Yes, uh, I can still remember the the first time I sat down with Bart. I, I can't I can't remember a time in my life that I was more nervous. <laughs> really? Mm. Uh, yeah, well, as a kid, um, growing up uh, with my older brother, you know, working it um, for my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a bit of a cheeky bugger at the time, and <laughs> he, he always used to his smarter, Alec remark to me was, you, "You think you're Bart Cummings?" <laughs> 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 And lo and behold, you know, a few years later, I'm sitting in front of him having yeah. a conversation. So, mm. uh, you yeah, know, it was good. And I've never had more fun than I did in those eight years working mm. with him.
0: John, we'll just pause for a moment to clear a commitment on the podcast. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the offer, the job offer that came along, destined to change the course of your career and your life. Entries are now open for the 2021 English Select Yearling Sale Series. The series will again comprise five sales. Classic, Premier, Easter, Gold and the Hunter Thoroughbred Breeders' Association May Yearling Sale to be held at Riverside in Sydney and Oaklands Junction in Melbourne. Each of the three primary sales, Classic, Premier and Easter, will retain their regular places on the sales calendar. Following its success this year, the Scone sales will be moved permanently to Riverside on May 2nd and May 3rd and will be rebranded the HTBA Yearling Sale. The Gull Sale in Melbourne will be held on May 16th. To discuss the placement of your yearlings, contact a member of the English Bloodstock team. You took 15 of Bart's horses to the Warwick Farm trials one morning and as busy as you were, you somehow found the time to answer a call on your mobile phone. It was one hell of a phone call, wasn't
1: it? It was. uh, The phone rang and I was in the middle of saddling a horse and uh, I probably shouldn't have answered it, but I did. Mm. And uh, on the other end of the phone, was, it was uh, Nathan Tinkler, mm. and uh, I thought it was someone playing a joke, and Did I was you? looking around for somebody standing behind a tree having a giggle. Yeah. But uh, you know, he he uh, he said he wanted to talk to me. He wouldn't. I wouldn't believe him. He said, "I'm telling you, it's me."
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: but uh, you know, anyway, he he wanted to to meet with me. He'd been recommended um, by Anthony Cummings at. Uh, uh, you know, he wanted a private trainer, and Anthony had given me a big rap and um, he wanted him to talk to me about that. And I've got to say, at the time, I probably wasn't interested in doing it. It came as a surprise. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, I had a chat to, to Bart before I went and met him, and mm. uh, he said, "Well, you know, I guess you got a young family. You got to hear him out." And uh, you know, when I when I did sit down and talk to him. Um, you know, he just made me an offer I couldn't refuse.
0: Mm. And so John Thompson had landed the biggest training job in Australian racing at the time. First up, he put you in charge of a huge barn at Warwick Farm, housing about 120 horses. Later, he sent you to Roundwick with 50 horses and I think Jason Coyle took over at Warwick Farm.
1: Uh, Jason was before me. Mm. Uh, he he had a small string of horses uh, for Nathan at uh, at Warwick Farm, yeah. and uh, Nathan had horses with oh, 20 other trainers around the country. But uh, basically, when I come in, I, I took over the lot, and um, you know he wanted to bring it all in under one banner because he was finding it hard to keep track of everything. Mm. And uh, and once we got it all under the one banner. He wanted to go bigger again and go into Queensland, Melbourne and Adelaide. Mm.
0: Well, since Nathan's dream evaporated, you must have said to yourself a thousand times over, how did I fall into that? But, John, how could you not? How could any young up-and-coming trainer have refused the opportunity to train an endless supply of beautifully bred horses under the most luxurious of conditions. It was a no-brainer.
1: Yeah, I had to do it. Uh, if I didn't take the job, I think you'd be forever um, kicking yourself you didn't give it a go. Mm. Uh, obviously, you know, it, it probably lasted great for two years and mm. then from the last two years, uh, it was all starting to fall apart. Um, we didn't have any money and things like that to to run the things properly. But uh, uh, it was still an experience for me. I, I've you know got to train horses all over the country, big mm. numbers, um, work with some great people, mm. and um, and won you know close to five hundred races.
2: Oh, uh, yeah,
1: all over the place, and it was a, a good learning curve. And also at the end you know, learnt how to run a business, you know,
0: with um, a shoestring budget. You did a great job for Nathan Tinkler in that two years. In your first full season, you finished third on the Australian Trainers Premiership. You were the leading trainer of two-year-olds in Australia and you won group races with horses or group one races with horses like Small Mines and Pearl Tart, Nikita, Trusting, the aptly named Pain in the Glass, and Gathering was another one. I think Gathering won a Group 1 in Perth.
1: He did. He won the railway over there, and, mm. um, yeah, they, they, all those horses were uh, Group 1s in different states,
2: so
1: mm. uh, we've covered all our bases. One <laughs> yeah. Group 1s in five different states, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Good experience learning how to train out of different training centres. Nathan also had a a farm in Queensland we trained out of, Mm. which was also, you know, throws up different problems. So, uh, yeah, great learning curve and a great experience.
0: John, I'll ask you to elaborate on the ability of one of those horses we just mentioned, Nikita. Now, she only lasted four starts, of which she won three, including the Silver Shadow Stakes. She found 1,400 just a touch too far in the Golden Rose and then you freshened her, you took her to Melbourne to win the Coolmore Stud Stakes, which has developed into one of Australia's most important Group 1 races. Now, didn't she finish up overseas as a broodmare?
1: She did. uh, Coolmore bought her with that uh, and wanted to take her to Europe to put her to Galileo um, looking for that... uh, uh, Frankel cross um, over, you know, the Galileo over Danehill mare, mm. but um, yeah, untapped potential. You know, she. I think if we'd have kept her to the sprints, she would have uh, stayed unbeaten as long as she raced. Yeah. Um, just uh, the the uh, Golden Rosa just went too quick, mm. and uh, she shot away halfway up the straight, but you know, it was just too far. That she got run over by a couple of the dolphin horses that come from. Yeah. Come from last, and um, you know I, I can remember talking to um, the Coolmore people uh, that were looking after her at Aidan O'Brien's, and and they said um, you know she she was just a machine, mm. but uh, they didn't race her there. They they, they just put it to stud.
0: Yeah, I did a podcast with Christian Reith a few months ago, John. He rode Nikita in all of those four runs, and he told me in that interview she is by far and away the best horse he's ridden.
1: Yeah, so I can remember some of the comments after, you know, gallops and trials uh, um, when, uh, when he rode her, and, uh, you know, she's just uh, an awesome galloper. She's mm. just done, done it so effortlessly. Mm. It was just quite incredible. I remember her first ever trial. Uh, a horse called Sizzling was a favourite for the Magic Millions. Mm. She trailed it. Um, I think it was Doomben, yeah. and uh, you know he he was in front around the corner and and seemingly doing it a bit easier. Uh, and the cheetah peeled off his back and went past him, going half pace. Yeah. Um, the writing was on the wall. Then we had something special.
0: Yeah. You told me a funny little story once. Not funny at the time for you. About uh, a trip you made to Melbourne with some Paternack horses. You were at the track, I think at Flemington, and you overheard two local trainers who'd previously trained horses for Tinkler, and they were commenting on the fact that your initials were displayed on your track work saddlecloths. Yeah,
1: it was It was actually Caulfield. It was my first trip to Melbourne.
0: Was it? <laughs> and
1: I'd only just taken over the Paternack team and, uh, mm. I got my initials put on the back of the saddle pads, and <laughs> um, mm. I'm happily to say now because we're great mates, uh, Mick Price and Peter Moody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when we we're at Caulfield Trackwork, uh, you know, I think it was Mick said, "Geez, I hope, uh, I hope those initials are on there in Velcro."
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> they'll fall Cause off shortly. They
1: won't be there long. But uh, yeah, no, I was I was lucky enough to be, you know, to. Last and just stay up my time, but uh, mm. yeah, it was a it was a funny funny thing at the time, but um, also worrying, I guess you know, because uh, yeah. Nathan didn't have a great reputation, mm. but uh, but in the end, you know, we we had a bit of success together.
0: An amazing thing happened to you at an English sale, following your departure from Patterneck. You're talking to Bart Cummings, Dato Tan Chin Nam and a man called T.O.R. King, the founder and chairman of the China Horse Club, who now have a huge presence in Australia. So you were in the right place at the right time. What happened?
1: Yeah, it was at the uh, English Easter Sales, and um, uh, Mr. T.O. was uh, setting up China Horse Club, uh, and he was looking for somebody to uh, go to China and oversee uh, a team of uh, 50 horses um, and prepare them for a race meeting over there mm. uh, and also um, design and build a, uh, a racetrack um, uh, in the early stages for them to race on. And um, I was recommended to him by Dato, Tanchi, Nam and Bart. Mm. And, um, yeah, I was just coming out of the Pat job and, um, you know, I was looking for a new challenge, and uh, I took that up and, yeah. and went up there and, and done that job.
0: Yep. You spent two months in Inner Mongolia, uh, helping substantially with the structure of their racing industry, which was pretty new to the Chinese at that time.
1: Yes. Uh, we um, You know, we went to uh, tianjin which, uh, you know, was uh, is a big city. And uh, the government wouldn't give us permission to race on the track that we were, we were building there. Mm-hmm. So at the last minute, we had to move to Inner Mongolia to uh, an old um, racetrack that was from that uh, the English troops had built in the war. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we uh, there was uh, two teams of horses. Uh, the Australian team, which I took a, a, a four-man crew over to look after those horses. Mm-hmm and uh, there was an Irish team that was looked after by Aidan O'Brien's crew, and uh, we had four international races on the day, and it was uh, was turned up, you know, it was a very successful day. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was uh, a, a beginning of a nice friendship with uh, Mr Teo and the China Horse Club.
0: And very, very timely, wasn't it, John? I mean, you'd just come through an absolute battering, and uh, you needed a diversion. Couldn't have been better timing.
1: Couldn't have been better timing. I, I come back from that experience, and um, I think I had three horses in my stable in a forty horse barn. Mm. And um, before I went, uh, but and um, uh, bloodstock manager Duncan Ramage had bought about thirty horses in Australia, thirty mm. yearlings for the China Horse Club. Mm. Uh, and when I come back to Australia, because Mister Teo uh, had got to know me in my time up there, and uh, realised that I was honest, and uh, you know everything I said, right or wrong, mm. uh, was what I believed to be true. Yeah. And um, he asked me if I'd go to Tato um, Tan Stud and look at his 30 yearlings and assess them all and mm. and give them my thoughts on them. Yeah. Uh, so I went and looked at them all and and rated them how I seen, you know, one to 30. Yeah. And um, gave him that list. And, uh, you know, he came back to me and he said, John, because you've been mm. so good to me,
2: yeah.
1: uh, I want to be good to you. And your top pick on that list was um, uh, a fast net rock filly.
0: Mm.
1: And uh, he said, I want to give you that filly to train. And um, hopefully, you know, we have some success together. Here thank, in Australia. thank
0: goodness he did.
1: That, <laughs> that is correct. That um, filly, uh, by well, the
0: way, had been purchased originally, hadn't she, by Bart Cummings in New Zealand for 700000
1: That's correct, yes.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, I what, thought
1: she was a standout in that group and, uh, you know, uh, she, it turned out to be cheap.
0: <laughs> well, you were a good judge, mate. Her name was First Seal. She had 21 starts, six wins and seven placings for $1.2 million. You won the Group 1 Flight Stakes with a beating a pretty handy filly called Winx. Uh, you ran second in the Spring Champion Stakes, uh, the Vinery Stud and the Coolmore Classic. She won four Group 2 races. Now, John, at the end of her three-year-old season, she developed a keratoma, which is a benign tumour in a hind foot and you believe to this day it robbed her of a big four-year-old year.
1: No doubt whatsoever. She was she was racing below par uh, for a little bit there when she was running the seconds. I know she was running seconds in Group Ones, but mm-hmm. uh, we could tell there was something wrong, and it took us a while to get to the bottom of it because it wasn't um, showing, you know, normal symptoms of of uh, of a foot problem. But in the end, um, uh, we had to get an MRI done to find it, and uh, when they did, obviously operated and and cut it out of a foot. Mm. But uh, you know, it was a, a a huge hole. Probably could have stuck your whole thumb inside a foot. Mm. And uh, yeah, it, it just took a long time for that to come right, and um, uh, probably rubbed of, you know a good six or twelve months.
0: When you assumed your independent role as a public trainer, one of your first new clients was Paul Fudge, who had established his magnificent Waratah Thoroughbreds adjustment and pre training farm at Moss Vale. He gave you to train an Irish bred gelding called Sir John Hawkwood, who started his career in England with Sir Michael Stout. Then he came to Australia and he had a number of trainers, Craig Ritchie, Peter Moody, David Van Dyke. And, uh, John, always a worry when you get one that four other trainers have had previously.
1: That is correct. Uh, normally it's a disaster, but uh, <laughs> i got to credit those preview, uh, previous trainers to me. The horse come to me in good order. Mm. Um, and... Uh, yeah, he was he was a lovely little horse. I, we knew he was going well when we trialled him and, and gave him his first up run. But, um, you know, to win uh, a Metropolitan Group 1 race, his mm. second up run in a preparation was a big effort.
2: Mm.
1: And uh, I, I was very proud to be able to give Paul Fudge, you know, his first Group 1 winner in Australia mm. after um, years of trying. Mm.
0: Now, we mentioned Rachel King earlier uh, regarding fatus. Sir John Hawkwood was ridden in that Metropolitan win by Rachel's fiancé, young Blake Spriggs, a lightweight and a very strong lightweight at that.
1: Uh, Blake He's a great guy, uh, Blake Spriggs, and um, you know, we're, we're mates, and he was a, played a big part in me getting horses off Paul Fudge in the first place. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he continues to this day to be uh, friendly with Paul and, and ride his horses. Mm. Um, probably doesn't get the, the opportunities that, uh, you know, he probably deserves, Blake, but uh, he tries very hard on, on every rider that he gets.
0: Mm. You won quite a number of races for Paul Fudge, who has now decided to engage a private trainer on his Moss Vale property. And I think you were actually instrumental in the appointment of Steve O'Halloran, who'd been with Tulloch Lodge for a number of years.
1: Yes, well, I I just thought uh, Paul was uh, pretty adamant. He wanted an older trainer. But I thought um, in his circumstances, I thought he was better off going with someone young uh, that was keen and Mm. um, up for a new challenge. Mm. And, um, you know, he'd actually... And given the initial job to the Friedman brothers, but um, that just didn't work out. And he he come back and he thought he'd give uh, young Steve a go. And um, you know he's he, he worked about fifteen years with Gay and looked after and done everything with horses like More Joyous mm-hmm. um, and plenty of other great horses over the years. Piero. Um, so he's he's got great experience and I'm sure uh, he'll do
0: well with Paul. Your wonderful wife, Nicole, is the daughter of the retired multiple Group 1 winning trainer, Rod Craig, who follows your horses very closely. In fact, I'm delighted to hear that every now and again you call on him to saddle up for you if you're sending horses to Newcastle or Kembla. Now, John, he might get the bug again.
1: (laughs) I hope so. Um, uh, look, he's a, he's an absolute gentleman of the turf, and uh, you know he's uh, enjoying retirement. But uh, he does get the call up every now and then, when uh, we're a little bit short-handed, and you know, he's only too happy to help out and go and saddle up at Newcastle or Kemba or wherever. Uh, and he also comes with me on on big days and um, and and helps saddle up. You know, when we've uh, got yeah. some runners in big races, which is uh, a bit of a thrill for him.
0: Let me have a stab at the ages of your two kids. I'd say Jake's 22 and was doing medicine at uni the last time we spoke and your daughter, Elise, is now 19 and it appears neither have inherited the racing blood which is so prevalent on both sides of the family.
1: Yes, no, they've, they've gone on to better things. But, uh, you know, racing, the racing life is obviously... A hard life, but um, you know they they love coming to the races and and watching my horses run. But uh, they're, they're not interested in working in the, in the industry.
0: Well, John, it's been a delight having you on the podcast. Thanks very much for joining us. Congratulations on a fabulous season, nineteen twenty, and uh, you're well on track with some nice horses in the stable to repeat that achievement in the in the current season. Great to catch up. Congratulations on all you've done.
1: Thanks, John. I appreciate it.
0: John Thompson on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing, and Ingress.